This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank you all for being here this morning, and I want to thank those who are watching online, and depending on the platform you're watching on, if you could click share, and we want to get this message out to as many people as possible. For the third time in the history of the church, we're marching through 1 John, and as we're going to see in a couple of weeks from 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, God's commands are not burdensome. Say it out loud. God's commands are not burdensome. And this is the thing that I really don't appreciate about the modern apostates and the modern heretics. They paint it like serving God is such a hassle. But I'm here to testify all he's ever done in my life is forgive me. All he's ever done in my life is be gracious to me. All he's ever done in my life is be merciful to me. All he's ever done in my life is heal me. All he has ever done in my life is provide for me. And anybody who talks like it's a great big pain in the backside to serve God does not know God. They're going by religion. They're not going by faith. God's commands are not burdensome. From the beginning, every command of God has been given for our good and for our benefit. God gave us every command he ever gave us because he loves us. Every command even given to curb sin was only given to people, to man, to men, to women, because God loves them. And he wants us to stay out of trouble. Amen. We've got two former members right now in prison, and they're in prison for the duration. One for armed robbery and one for a white-collar scam scheme. And... Uh, you know, how about just going by the Ten Commandments? Amen. Thou shalt not steal. Amen. See? So, in, a, in other words, if they just gone by the Ten Commandments, well, they wouldn't be locked up right now. Amen? And so all these commands are not some pain. They are a blessing because God loves us and he wants to keep us out of trouble. And every one of God's covenants are covenants of love. The new covenant is a covenant of love, but even the old covenant was a covenant of love. I dare you to go online or a Bible on an electronic device and search covenant of love. You're going to be surprised. You're going to see the phrase covenant of love in the Old Testament even more than the New Testament. The love command of the New Testament can actually be found in the Old Testament. When Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, he quoted from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. When Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, 
In Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus replied, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, quoting from Leviticus 19, 18, Love the Lord your God as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And as we'll see next week from 1 John 4, verse 8, God is love. I mean, that's what God is. That's who God is. God is love. And his commandments, his covenants, have all been commandments of love and covenants of love. So from the beginning, God has loved us. Through Christ, we can be a part of God's family and we can fellowship with him. And notice what Jesus said was the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. All God ever really wanted from us was to love him first and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now let's pick up a new ground, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Now, I'm going to make a confession, and that is this, that in the probably the first decade pastoring this church, which we pioneered in 1984, I was a little reluctant to talk about walking in love, and the reason was because anybody that got around us who talked about walking in love were the meanest Christians I ever came across in my entire life. And so I was a little jaded on it because the attitude seemed to be that I'm going to despitefully use you and I'm going to lie about you and I'm going to try and take your stuff and I'm going to be jealous of you and I'm going to be envious of you, but you, 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 you know, like with a crooked witch's finger, you, 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 you walk in love. And that seemed to be the way it was going down in our lives. And so I just was a little shy on this thing of walking in love. And then as time went by, you know, when I was uh, working on my Master of Divinity degree, I was supposed to be studying all this stuff they wanted me to study, but I read everything Charles Grandison Finney wrote. And in the course of those years, that maybe that first decade pioneering and pastoring this church, I came back across a quote of Charles Grandison Finney that love is to will and to act toward the highest good of the other. And so I saw two things. I saw, number one, that a lot of these people that talk about walking in love, well, they don't have any clue as to what they're doing at all because, you know, they're mean, they're mean-spirited, they're mean in their speech, so they're not walking in love. So you cannot judge walking in love by those folks and by their conduct. And the other thing I saw was that a lot of what does damage is human mercy. You can hardly go a week now. You can hardly go a week now. You can hardly go a week now without reading about some horrific kidnapping or horrific rape or horrific murder committed by somebody, some judge, let out of prison. See, it's human mercy. It's human mercy. And some of you all have gone down this road with your children because 
You know, you, you, you were merciful toward your children, but it wasn't a divine mercy. It was a human mercy, and so you didn't spank them. And now you're dealing with the results. You know, we were away, and we were watching Austin do the Sunday morning service a few weeks ago, and I, I told so I said, just think about all the times you whipped his little ass. In other words, you, 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 don't, you don't get a product by luck or chance. You get a product by doing things God's way. Yeah, but that's my, my you look, you're going to kill them. You're going to kill them with human mercy. Amen. Say it out loud. Love, Love. is to will and to act toward the highest good of the other. And so... Sometimes you got to rebuke somebody and you're walking in love. Sometimes you got to spank a child and you're walking in love. Sometimes you have to bring a corrective word and you're walking in love. So 1 John 3:11 this is the message you have heard from the beginning we should love one another. Now regarding apostasy and heretics 1993 in 1992, Kenneth Hagin in his Winter Bible Seminar did a message called Days of Heaven Upon the Earth. Well, it apparently caught his attention. And so the next year, 1993, he did the whole Winter Bible Seminar on Days of Heaven Upon the Earth. And in the ninth message from minutes 49 to 52, he deals with error in the ministry. And he says, you just can't be all lovey-dovey and let it go because he says it damages people it hurts people again love is to willing to act toward the highest good of the other and so everything at faith christian center so far as i know is done decently and in order why because we don't want god's people hurt when we hear about one brother taking advantage of another brother we will bring a word of correction we're not, we're not afraid. Amen. Shepherds are not afraid of sheep. So if you got a pastor who's afraid of the sheep, well, he's not a shepherd. So we should love one another. Then he goes into this example, which is hilarious to me, because it really strikes at the root and the heart and the core of what's going on. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So the very first murder committed on planet Earth was committed over the tithe. Now, ignoramuses will say that the tithe began with the law of Moses. Well, that's ridiculous. Jacob tithe, Abraham tithe, 230 years before Moses was ever born. And the first murder was committed over this thing that goes to the heart. One night in our living room back two houses ago, Lester Summerall sat there and I was horrified. He said, son, you're a little weak on offerings. Oh, I was so horrified. I, I, I thought I was doing a good job, but this was my daddy. He said, son, you're a little weak on offerings. And he taught me about offerings and money. And one of the things he said is he said, a man's got to be right with his money. If a man's not right with his money, that man's not right. Amen. 
And just this week, we read about Fauci and all those people at the National Institutes of Health and the CDC, how that they profited on the pandemic and how before the lockdowns, before the lockdowns, before the lockdowns, they sold all their stocks to avoid the COVID crash in stocks. It's, it's horrific what a man who is not right with his money will do for money. And I, I know people don't like sometimes the terminology I use. You know, we talk about women of the street and, you know, women of the night and, you know, a derogatory term is whores. Look, they're total absolute amateurs compared to people in government. Actually, I have more respect for, you know, some woman just trying to make ends meet than I do for these multi-multi-millionaire people in Congress profiting off of tragedy. Cain gave God some of the fruit of the soil, whereas his brother Abel gave God the first fruits of the best from his shepherding efforts. And so we have some verses first. We have uh, a heart enabled to give God the first fruits, the best. Versus Cain, who gave God some. Now, thousands of years later, 4,000 years later, how does John analyze it? He says, and why did he, why did Cain murder his brother? Because his own actions were evil and his brother's actions were righteous. And this goes to the heart of everything because two of these former Word of Faith guys that are now saying that it doesn't matter what you do and they're saying that tithing was under the law. When they say that, they're calling the Lord Jesus a liar and they're calling the author of the book of Hebrews, probably Paul, a liar. But it all goes hand in hand. All it is is a Bernie Sanders heretic Christianity. That it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to be just as blessed if you live right as if you don't live right. You're going to be just as blessed if you tithe as if you don't tithe. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Then picking up in verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you, because we saw last Sunday this same author, John, says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Then he says, do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Look, a lot of these cool preachers obviously don't pray, and a lot of these cool preachers obviously don't read the Bible because not only are they in love with the world, they are in love with what the world thinks of them. And listen, if the world hated your Lord, your Savior, and your Master, but the same world is in love with you, you are in trouble. Amen. Now we, we enjoy being under the radar. We enjoy when the orcs are not after us. We enjoy it. 
But that does not mean we are going to lift one finger to comply or that we are going to lift one finger to knuckle under or that we are going to do anything to make them happy because they are not our judge. Father God is our judge. Now we enjoy not being noticed. But we're not going to yield. No, we're holding the line at Faith Christian Center on the word of God. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. So if you're here this morning and you make it a habit to rip people off, Christians, and you make it a habit to talk bad about Christians, and you make it a habit to take advantage of Christians, not only are you bringing judgment on yourself, according to John, we don't even know that you're born again. We don't even know that you're born again. And we shouldn't even, we should not even have a mindset to take advantage of sinners. You know, I, I don't even think about, is this person saved or is this person unsaved? If they come to my house and do work, I want them paid. I want them paid. I hate bills. I, I don't want a bill sitting at my desk. I want them paid. Amen. I want them paid. The objective of living a covenant life is everybody who does business with us ought to be blessed for the endeavor. Now, if they mess it up, that's their problem. But it shouldn't, they should not be able to bring a complaint against us that we said the check was in the mail when the check was not in the mail or that we tried to use them or abuse them. We know that we have passed from death to life because now I'm not talking about making a living. I'm not talking about making a profit. You know, if you hire a builder to build your house, there may be a 10% fee that's going to go to the builder. We understand that. He's got to make a living. He's giving you his time. He's giving you his expertise. He's there on the job watching the project. He deserve, A workman is worthy of his hire. Amen. Do you understand? If you go to a car dealership and you take two hours of a guy's time and he sells you a car, that he deserves a commission. Now, he doesn't have the right to lie to you and tell you this is a one-owner car and you find out it was in uh, Fort Myers a few weeks ago in the flooding. He doesn't have a right to lie to you, but he does have a right to make a living. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. You know, we got a position in the ministry in February of 1978, and we were just young and dumb and naive. And uh, I'm telling you, sometimes it was just horrifying. You know, they had an old women clique, and boy, they were a bunch of hateful things. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there were these various cliques, you know, and uh, it just amazed us. The founder was still attending church there even though his son had failed and now had been replaced by the pastor that hired us. And uh, they were gleeful, they were joyful about how they didn't give the founding pastor any kind of a pension, any kind of a retirement, not a dime, not a nickel, nothing. And that's why when we pioneered this church, we determined to go God's way, do things God's way, teach the people of God, the word of God, 
and to not put anybody in any kind of position that had a bad attitude. You know as well as I do, you've probably been in churches where, you know, there was the green carpet click and there was the red carpet click and then they would hold a, a big fight on a Sunday night in church, you know, at a, a, a church meeting. Anyone who hates his brother, verse 15, is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Now, He's not talking about people that have committed murder, although he is talking about people that have committed murder, but he's talking about murdering people with your mouth. Things just break my heart. I remember we had a son and a daughter-in-law of a, one of the most famous ministries in America attended our church up at I-30. And, uh, you know, it surprised me. She volunteered to sing on stage. That surprised me. You know, she came to the practices. She came to the rehearsals. It all surprised me. And she was up there, and she was a blessing. And there was a man that wasn't right in his heart, and he started spreading slander about this daughter-in-law of this famous minister. And by and by, she moved off the stage, then the guy that started the slander, he and his wife were gone. But that minister's son and that daughter-in-law, their marriage didn't make it. I, I don't want to be a part of messing anybody up. I don't want to be a part of causing any strife or problems for anybody, especially not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what kind of person, what kind of person would start would, would spread slanderous rumors because a, a new gal's on stage and maybe she can sing better than your wife. People are amazing. And, and people do all of this stuff. I mean, you know, like this uh, Fauci and Burks. I mean, they do all this stuff for financial gain. They do all of this stuff on a power trip and it never even dawns on them. They're, they're up past 80. They're like three clicks from hell. It never even dawns on them that they're going to be judged for this. But people do stuff in church, and it never dawns on them. I mean, it's a church, right? It's a church. We're supposed to be worshiping God. We're supposed to be coming in here talking about God. We're supposed to be worshiping God. It never dawns on them. Well, maybe the Lord does have something to do with this place called church. And maybe he's going to bless some and maybe he's not going to bless others. It is amazing to me. I mean, if there's, I mean, the last place on earth you ought to misbehave is in the house of God. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's what love is. That's what love is. Now, I know, I know that these gender roles are being trashed, but let me tell you what. When that man gets up and he goes to work and he lays down his life for his family, he is to be respected for that. And it doesn't matter if he makes a boatload of money or not. If he lays down his life, I don't care if it's a modest home. 
If he lays down his life so that there's food on the table and there's a roof over the heads of the wife and the children, he deserves to be respected for that. He is laying down his life. And on the flip side, if there's breakfast for the children in the morning and the woman is laying down her life, you know, fixing meals and doing the laundry and doing all of that stuff, you know, Sue goes to help her mom. I just hit another gear. Every time I walk past the washer and dryer, I throw something in. I take something out. You know, I do my thing. I don't like the dishwasher. I hand wash it. I just do it as I go. She, the moment she walks back in the door, I shift gears. I'm out of that gear. <laughs> because, you know, I didn't marry some feminazi. Thank God, thank God, thank God I didn't marry some angry person. So, but they deserve to be loved for that. They deserve to be respected for that. They're laying down their life for those children. They're laying down their life for that husband. That's love. I said, that's love. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Everybody shout action, actions. Shout it again, actions. You know, years ago, this was years ago, we had this wonderful woman in the church and she fell ill. And we didn't have to organize anything. I was so proud of the congregation of Faith Christian Center. She fell ill. She lost her job. I mean, men in the church organized without anybody saying a word, covered her rent, brought, took her groceries, covered her cash needs. And she did pass and go to be with the Lord. But the body of Christ stood to the plate. Hallelujah. So he says, let us love in action and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Now these modern apostates, these heretics say it doesn't matter what we do. But look at 1 John 3 verses 21 to 24. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. So what you do actually has an impact on whether or not your prayers are answered. I, I thought I said what you do actually has an impact on whether or not your prayers are answered. And this is his command to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. It does matter what we do. That's why they hate the book of 1 John. That's why we're in 1 John. Because we're not going by what some famous preacher has said, and we're not going by what... Uh, somebody has said who was a scaredy cat and had their church closed for two years. Look, if you're in a church and they close their doors for two whole years, that is not a pastor. That is a scaredy cat. Amen. 
I'm out of time, let's bow our heads. I want to give an opportunity for people to make their commitments and decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning and you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not living for the Lord. And that's right, that's what I meant to say, living for the Lord. I mean, you might be a member, but you know, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said hanging out in church won't make you a Christian anymore than hanging out in a garage will make you a Chevrolet. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door, at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. How many here this morning would say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to God. I don't want to be a pretender. And I don't want to be one of those mean churchgoers that never got the gospel into their heart. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want the real power of God and the effects of God at work in my heart and in my life. I want to, I want to, I want to be saved where it shows up. That's you this morning, wherever you are. Lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God together for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins. <laughs> Anybody here this morning? There may be others here this morning. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you may be here this morning and you're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you know you should. You might have gotten off the rails in this thing of slandering your brothers or taking advantage of your brothers. You've heard the word now and the Lord's going to hold you accountable. I said, you've heard the word now and the Lord's going to hold you accountable. But there may be someone here this morning and you're not living for the Lord like you know you should. But I came to bring you good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I am not living for the Lord like I know I should. I have not been living a life of love in action and in truth like I know I should have. That's you this morning, wherever you are. Lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where, where we can see it. We're going to pray. Everybody in the room, if you would, let's stand to our feet. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to take your Bible in hand, your belongings. I don't want you thinking about your stuff. And I want you to step boldly into the aisle. And I want you to join me here at the front. And if you're here this morning and you did not raise your hand, but the Spirit of God is calling you, drawing you, speaking to you, I want you to be bold about it. Step boldly into the aisle and join me here at the front. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. There are people here this morning and you're reluctant. You're reluctant to recommit your life to the Lord. You're reluctant because you have allowed a habit to get a hold of you. I say, not just by the Spirit of God, but by experience, we have power with God. We'll lay hands on you. The Lord will set you free and deliver you. But you got to make a clean break with that. Every head still bowed. If you're here this morning and you want to join us, you're welcome to step out, step out boldly. Bring your Bible, your belongings with you. You want to be forgiven. You want to live the life. And you want to be set free. 
The Bible talks about a besetting sin. God wants his people free. Everybody in the room, let's pray for the sake of these that have come forward. And then also there are people online, I'm sure, and they want to be saved and born again and recommit their lives to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody in the room, let's pray the prayer out loud together. Thank you, Father God, for the privilege and the opportunity to give you my life and to live for you. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But I turn from that old way of living, and I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me, take out of my heart anything that would hinder me, put within me a heart that loves you, loves your word, and loves your house. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I lay my hands on these two. And I say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the hold of Satan over your mind and the hold of Satan over your soul and the hold of Satan over your body is broken in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So go and don't yield any more to it and it will no longer have a hold over your life and you'll be free and you'll shout and you'll dance and you'll lift your hands and you'll open your mouth and you'll give the credit and the glory to God because he is the deliverer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would go with Mr. Jeff Hughes, we'll get you right back in the service as quick as we can. Let's give the Lord a shout of victory this morning. Hallelujah. Shout out loud, the devil's a liar. And Jesus is Lord. Amen. You know, the devil will tell you all day long, you can't, that won't work, all of that. He's a liar, amen. The word of God is true. Hallelujah. And the word of God has power to break every yoke. Hallelujah.